I had to learn the game. I had to sit in the back of the pitch meeting just to listen and learn and take notes. And then through action and through being able to take your services and then help enable other people, your work speaks for itself. On this episode of Access and Opportunity, we welcome entrepreneur and investor Chris Lyons. Chris is the head of the Cultural Leadership Fund at Andreessen Horowitz, a VC fund aimed to connect cultural leaders with tech companies while elevating Black creators in the tech industry. Chris began his career as an audio engineer, but found himself catching the startup bug when he started Picture Menu in 2010. He eventually moved to Silicon Valley through the NUMI Accelerator. Since then, he has been all in on the startup world, eventually taking on the role of investor. In this episode, Chris takes us through his journey in the technology industry and how he continues to advocate for increased African-American and diverse representation in tech. Come on and join me for the ride. Chris, Thank you so much for being here with me today, and it's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's my pleasure. It's so good to see you, Carla, and definitely looking forward to the conversation today. Thank you. So let's jump right in. I want to first congratulate you on all the success that you've had with Andreessen Horowitz. Uh, As chief of staff there, you helped launch the Cultural Leadership Fund at Andreessen in 2018. So tell our listeners, what is the Cultural Leadership Fund? The Cultural Leadership Fund is a strategic investment vehicle that connects the world's greatest cultural leaders to the best new technology companies. So by cultural leaders, we mean the world's greatest athletes, entertainers, musicians, senior level executives. This is the first fund in the history of Silicon Valley where 100% of our LPs are African-American. And we also donate all of our management fees and carry to a select number of nonprofits that are going to help advance more African-Americans into the technology industry. All right. Well, tell us, how did the idea come about? And why did you think it was important to have cultural leaders as a part of this fund as you defined it? If you think about just consumer culture and then especially the history of African-American culture, African-Americans have been leaders in the worlds of sports, music, entertainment, the arts, fashion. If you think about any type of consumer culture, it's African-American culture, right? Just really goes hand in hand. And, you know, just most recently, probably within arguably the last 10, 15 years, the future of consumer culture has moved onto the internet. And so when we think about connecting culture, we said, look, the next generation of culture is going to come within the technology industry. We need to make sure that our cultural leaders also are having access and exposure to the future of innovation when it comes to partnering with our technology companies. And so being out here in Silicon Valley, we all recognize some of the geniuses of the world that have built some of the best platforms that we use on an everyday basis. But at the same time, some of the world's greatest cultural leaders that are African-American are also geniuses within themselves too. Like, for example, Quincy Jones, uh, who not only did he create some of the world's best music and and really pioneered multiple different industries, but he's a genius. He speaks 22 different languages, right? And so if you're a consumer company and you're trying to understand 
how to communicate and and use communications. Like there's no better person to speak with than Quincy Jones. And it's not necessarily saying, oh, hey, we want to tweet your your story or use your social influence, but it's really about connecting shared genius together to really help empower the next generation of technology, but at the same time, really create a new level of innovation within the people that we're working with as well, too. And so that was the origination behind that. And then, you know, also, if you really think about where the future of the world is going, and especially with the seat that I'm privileged to have an opportunity to be within Silicon Valley and within Andreessen Horowitz is that we have a really big focus on helping advance the next generation of African-Americans into technology. And so that not only goes from connecting and creating shared genius, but also in the world of investing in the world of equity. If you think that the next generation of wealth is going to happen within the technology industry, then more people of color and specifically more African-Americans need to have a seat at that table. And so with me being African-American and wanting to be able to open up those doors and create access and exposure, not only are we creating meaningful partnerships, but we're really also helping create the next generation of wealth into this industry. And so by doing all of that, what the best part is, is that, you know, traditionally when someone saw Michael Jordan or when they saw Kevin Durant, they said, look, I want to be a basketball player, right? I look up to him. I want to be the next him. Now you see, you know, KD investing into the next best technology companies and people are looking at those companies and saying, wow, like he's also getting into tech. He's also getting into investing. Investing, like how how do I get into that? What we're also helping bridge is this next generation of talent and really helping facilitate a pipeline that we know exists that might not be uh, traditionally looked at within the overall Silicon Valley industry. And so especially for me, like I grew up right outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and, and wasn't traditionally from the technology industry. And I know that there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who are like me that might not have thought that technology was a career, but now with technology and software being at the heart of every single thing that we do, how can we help enable and empower more African-Americans into this industry? And so through the Cultural Leadership Fund, 100% of the management fees and the carry, and so basically that means all the money that we make, goes to a select number of nonprofits that help advance more African-American and diverse backgrounds into technology. Yeah. So let me ask you a question, Chris. You made a very good point about these cultural leaders being icons for people in the community. And pe people say, I want to be like them. I want to be able to play basketball or I want to do this or I want to do that, that these media and entertainment stars and sports stars are doing. But one of the reasons I would argue that people say, I want to be like them, is that they can see them. Their their prowess or their superpower in basketball, their superpower in media and entertainment is pronounced by media. So how are you thinking about elevating KD as an investor, KD as, you know, a technology fanatic? Don't you have to raise that story in public for those kids to say, wow, but he's an investor. What is an investor? And I want to be a tech investor and I want to know more about tech. So how are you guys thinking about that as a part of the strategy as well? Because if folks don't know that part about them, then that's not the part they want to emulate. Absolutely. Well, I think even more than them being, you know, Kevin and the rest of our limited partners, like not only just investors, but entrepreneurs, right? And entrepreneurship is at the center of African-American culture. And so even if you look at the fastest growing demographic of entrepreneurs and small, medium businesses, it is African-Americans. And so, you know, for us, especially within the technology industry, it's super important that people can look up, like you said, and say, 
wow, this person looks like me and they're doing it. I can do it too. And, you know, like if you look at the stats, 1% of African-Americans are in technology, 0.01% are in venture capital. And so, you know, that means the people who are actually trying to make the decisions in terms of where to actually create the investments, they have to say, okay, I look like us. I understand the cultural values. I understand the businesses that we're making. What we want to do is really help enable those skills and, and provide the opportunity, the access, the resources the information. I mean, that's one of the biggest things like that, that I've learned is that the access to information is extremely important when it comes to really taking your career and taking your success to the next level, right? And so our firm has some of the most incredible thought leaders in the world, but somebody might not be following Mark Andreessen or, or following Chris Dixon or following, like, they're definitely following Ben Horowitz. That's my man. So uh, <laughs> if us being able to translate and share that information and really creating a whole new knowledge share of bringing the insights that we're having into Silicon Valley and allowing us to remix them and create our own level of, of business through this, that's, it's something I'm super excited about. And, and it's a work that's greater than all of us put together. Let's talk a little bit about the fundraise, because that's another area that a lot of young people don't know about is the process of fundraising for a fund. And it is no easy feat. So when you went out there to do that, can you tell us a little bit about what the process was like for you and were people receptive to the vision? Now, the good news is you happen to be sitting on a well-known name that has made a lot of money for a lot of people. But it would have been easy for people to say no to this because this was something that looked different. I mean, it was the the first fund consisting of 100 percent African-American limited partners. So talk to us about what the fundraising process was like. Absolutely. And it, it reminds me of uh, a pledge process, <laughs> you know, very <laughs> Oh, what's that? Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know anything about that actually. I, I just I just watched school days and yeah. it looked kind of <laughs> <laughs> um but like to to be honest with you it was it was a long-term process and and I actually had the vision for this and had to implement it before even going out and fundraising. You know, like back in the day, you know, 2014, 2015, people in Silicon Valley were extremely focused on building networks within Silicon Valley. And that was the value add. And for me, not coming from the Valley, naturally, I said, hey, like there's an opportunity to get people outside of the industry and have them working with our, our portfolio companies for unique partnerships, investment opportunities. And so before even starting the fund, we had to kind of validate the idea that cultural leaders could be value adds into the industry. And so we created the first influencer network within Silicon Valley. But really, I mean, even more importantly, it was people that we just built authentic and close relationships with and really wanted to help make a difference and, and create access and exposure onto cap tables, into the next generation of innovation. And so once that was able to work, and we were able to prove the thesis right. The next chapter was saying, okay, you know, how can we take all of these relationships, all of the network, all of the influence that we've been able to build on an individual level uh, and actually combine it into one fund? And, and even more specifically, having it one fund consisting 100% of African-American limited partners. And limited partners basically means it, the investors that invest into the fund, that from there, we have the ability to then go and invest into the next best companies. And so, you know, traditional funds, 
you can raise from any different individual. I mean, any endowment, you know, the, the, the sky's the limit. Anybody that has, you know, a pool of capital to invest. For us, the biggest challenge is that technically we are one of the smallest groups when it comes to having wealth and access and exposure and being able to invest into these companies. And so like the group and the people that I had to go with was such a small number. But to me, that was actually the the insight that allowed me to realize why we needed to do this, right? You know, and it was also really interesting hearing us tell people no that wanted to invest because of their race. And it was the other race, <laughs> you know? And so they're like, wait, you're telling me, no, I'm not used to that. And so it was very, it was a very unique experience. Um, but at the end of the day, I realized how important it was to, to one, help create an understanding around venture capital. And it's not just like a fund, it's a network that uh, can work together, that can share information, that can, uh, you know, I kind of call us uh, almost like a, a VC firm in your pocket, you know, where people are now sending investment opportunities and saying, you know, traditionally used to send to their manager or their friend and say, hey, look at this deal. Now you have a, a verified source that we can work with and, and allow you to give you the insights into how we're seeing the trends in different ways and how the market is moving and giving access and exposure. And yeah. ultimately with that goal of, of allowing the people that we work with to then go out and do it themselves. And now they know the game and now they're helping inspire others and in, in running their own funds and creating their own VC firms and, and, and doing it in a first in class way. And so to me, it was it was definitely a super challenging process, probably one of the hardest things uh, that I've ever done in my life. But to see it actually come together and to have, you know, not only an incredible group, but people that I also looked up to when I was young and when I was growing up, too. So it, to me, it never felt like work. It just felt like a purpose that I knew I had to accomplish. And at the end of the day, you just have to get it done. And so you have to take it step by step. <laughs> What, again, was the rationale for no, you cannot invest to those who came in to say, hey, I'd like to invest? So what did you tell them that I'm trying to do? I'm trying to create a narrative. I'm trying to prove a point. What did you say to them about why they could not invest? Yeah. Well, I told them uh, just straight up, like, this fund is for African-Americans. And for the longest time, we've actually been on the outside. You know, we've been raising our hand and we haven't gotten chosen and, or we haven't had the opportunity to have the access and the exposure or when people are thinking about who we want to bring into the room. For years, we have not actually had that phone call, right? And so now that we're in the room, like, how can we, we need to overcorrect. Okay. The Cultural Leadership Fund is only as strong as the network and the people that we're supporting. And so we had to make sure for Fund One that it literally was the, the top of the top. This was the first time something like this ever happened in Silicon Valley. And so the bar was set super high. And, and you know, like what your parents always said, you always got to be twice as good in order to be at the same page. And so and when it comes to tech, I felt like it was that times 10, especially with, you know, <laughs> how I think about my reputation and how we got to keep it going. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, this is something that we've been focusing on as a firm. It's in our DNA. It's who we are. And, and it's why, like, I know that I couldn't have done this at any other firm. And for us having really an impact and a genuine interest in helping uh, create the next generation of entrepreneurs and investors and investors. 
and executives into technology. It was a partnership with Andreessen Horowitz that I thought was extremely, extremely important. And we continue to see you know, so much success from this, especially on our nonprofit partnerships, on, you know, the amount of money that we've been able to donate to these organizations, to the pipeline and the opportunities and the partnerships that we've been able to support. You know, I was super intentional in terms of looking at organizations that were outside of traditional Silicon Valley and, and, yeah. and even including in my hometown, you know, and we have great leaders that are actually focused in each one of these these areas, whether it's in Atlanta or, you know, Texas or New York or Dallas or DC, you know, like we want to help really connect and and create the, the mind share and bring it into the rest of the world and the re- in the rest of the United States so that we can actually be at, at the head of the curve. So Okay. And so how did you connect with some of these folks? I mean, there are people in your first fund that you didn't have previous relationships with, right? So did you leverage other relationships to get the introduction in or what did you do there? Because again, often people say, I don't know these folks. How do I get to them? Yeah. Well, I I mean, the biggest thing I would say is that you just have to be yourself. I focus on long-term relationships. You know, like if you come in transactional, then that's exactly how you're going to be perceived, right? Like these are people that I actually could can look at and say that they're my friends and people I would hang out with and and do yeah they're doing incredible things but but so are we and so you have to look at it and say look we're we're in our own path and and we're doing things our way and so being able to have someone say wow like I've never even seen someone like you in the industry that's doing something like that before and I think the most important thing is that like for me like I come from a a, a spirit of service and and I want to be able to help and enable and I'm not I, I don't necessarily need anything. I want to give first and then it will be given back to you. And yep. you know, shaking down and runneth over. So press down, shaking together, running <laughs> over. That's that's it. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think it's it's very much a mentality and 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 how you come across when when you're having these conversations and and you know one of the things that my family told me growing up is your network is your net worth. And so you need to make sure that it's not who you know, but who knows you? And so how can you actually go out and create uh, momentum and buzz and and insights and share who you are? And I think that that just comes from hard work and dedication. I've been in venture capital for seven years, you know, like this is not something that just came into place. I had to learn the game. I had to sit in the back of the pitch meeting just to listen and learn and take notes. And then, you know, through action and through being able to take your services and then help enable other people, what happens is, is that y- your work speaks for itself. And and, and a yep. lot of times people would reach out to me and say, hey, I heard you did this. I heard that this person was able to get into this deal because of you, this, this, this. And, and you know, I think one of my favorite documentaries is, is The Black Godfather, right? And it's like, yeah. nobody knew all the work he was doing behind the scenes. And, and, and to me, like, I think that sometimes you have to kind of play in the shadows in order to do the work first before you go out and, and say, oh, look at me, look at me, look at me without ever having any results.
let's talk a little bit about the makings of Chris Lyons. So, you know, for our listeners, let's talk about the fact that, you know, you graduated from Full Sail University with degrees in entertainment, business, and recording arts. So, were you trying to be a sound engineer? Were you want to be a singer? Let's talk about the <laughs> Definitely singer. not a singer. <laughs> yeah, okay, so let's talk about the sound engineer that then becomes entrepreneur by creating a mobile app that then goes to Silicon Valley. So, let's talk about the igniting of each of those appetites, if you will, and then how that landed you in the Silicon Valley. Well, I, I feel like that's why I said this is, I feel like is my life's work is because for me, I was super passionate about really pursuing the music industry. And so Full Sail was called the Harvard of music schools. And so, you know, I didn't go to Harvard. I went to the Harvard of music school. So kind of I close. I got it. I got it. <laughs> You know, and so I got my first degree in uh, recording arts, which basically means that you're a sound engineer, you're working in the studios, you're behind the scenes, really helping make everything sound good. But the biggest thing that I learned from being a music engineer is that it's it's the word engineer. And engineer is actually, it's it's a mindset. It's how you can solve problems and going from A to B to C at the shortest way possible. And so that's what makes an incredible engineer. And then also always being on the computer too, like before. Uh, the music industry was was analog, which basically meant that the big boards and, you know, using compressors and patching things in. And so I had to learn the old school routes. But, you know, I, I got an internship and started working with Jermaine Dupree at Southside Studios. And that's when I learned, wow, like this is how the future of the of the music industry is going to go. And on top of that, one of the things that I really respected about him was how he was actually one of the first people to really be at the center, at the forefront of technology too. Before blogging was a thing, he had this show called Life of 1472 and, you know, was super interested in creating Global 14, which was his own brand. And, and this was all technology. And, and, and when I was growing up, I always wanted to have the, the future, you know, the first sidekick before in high school or like the first ringtone before, before nobody even knew what that was or the first iPod or the first this. So I just always loved technology and always was thinking about mm -hmm. how I can be at the head of the curve and, and really help influence at the same time. And so, you know, one day, you know, I was I was also serving tables while I was uh, while I was working. It was right when the first iPhone came out and uh, I saw somebody put it on the table and I was like, wow, that's the future. And, and I really got inspired by this idea of building apps. And so I said, well, look, I'm a music engineer. I'm always on the computer. Like, why can't I be a computer engineer too? And ended up teaching myself how to code. Ended up seeing uh, Angela Benton post this thing about New Me Accelerator in 2011. And I said, well, hey, I might as well try and apply and get into this. And got accepted into the incubator. And, you know, I was only supposed to be at Silicon Valley for three months and ended up never going home. And that was really the journey that really took me to the next level. How important was the accelerator? Because as you know, we have an accelerator at Morgan Stanley, and I want to thank you publicly for speaking to uh, our founders that were in the Multicultural Innovation Lab at Morgan Stanley. So tell us how important the accelerator was for you in sort of catapulting you into Silicon Valley. Yeah, well, I, I mean, this was in 2012 when, like, they were just getting rolling. It, yeah, no, like, there was probably one text a month about more black people into technology then. So, like, but the thing that made it so important was the actual network. 
You know, it was the it was the ability for us to meet people. For me to really just, I didn't, I moved to Silicon Valley, I did not know one person, right? That's a playbook point for our listeners. You moved from, was it from Georgia at that time? Yep, yep, To yep. California, to Silicon Valley, because you said, I like this tech game. I am a new frontier kind of guy since I want the first iPhone, the first ringtone. What I heard you say, I'm a new frontier yep, kind of yep, guy. Yep. So I'm going to move out to Silicon Valley because if I love this so much, I ought to be in the middle of it. I don't know anybody. There's, there's an application out there for an accelerator. I'm going to join that. I got in right mm-hmm. now. Go from there. Yeah, I was I was so excited to go. I accidentally bought a one way ticket. Accidentally. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even I didn't even didn't even realize I didn't buy a return ticket. And I think that that was one of the saving graces because that's I just saw, divine, brother. That was divine. <laughs> hey, all all day. You already know it still is. But yeah, you know, because one of the things is one when when I saw people leave, they never came back. They're like, oh, I'll come back in three months. They never came back. And so for yeah. me, it was it was super important to to just learn as much as I could. And and being a part of Accelerator, it's almost like a demo day and you know that you only have a finite time and every day, every second is valuable and and building up that network, getting a chance to understand product market fit, testing your, your pitch in front of other colleagues. But, you know, I think the most important thing out of the accelerator was really the network that I was able to build, the friendships that I was able to have. I have some of the closest friends from that accelerator that I still work with, you know, that all happened there. And, and that so that was the foundation. And then at the same time, you know, access to the information and, and seeing it happening in real time, you know, watching these companies blow up back in the day, watching, you know, being one of the first users on Airbnb or on Pinterest or on Square. So let me ask you a question. How did, how did you get to Andreessen Horowitz is one question I have for you. And the other question is, you know, you continue to hear firms that are your contemporaries talk about the fact that they can't find any with respect to entrepreneurs of color, you know, how would you advise companies that say we can't find any, we don't know where to go get these good investors? What would you advise them to do? Uh, hire somebody that's black. Okay. <laughs> to be honest okay. with you. Well, that's been one of the recommendations that we made in our white paper, that if you don't have the networks, you need to get someone of color at your investment table who has a network that could actually plug you into some of these these opportunities. Now, was was that an Andreessen's strategy with you? No, not at all. I met Ben because he came to us. You know, like yeah. it was a complete opposite. Like they've been about this since day one. It's in the DNA. If you look at even the 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 founders of Andreessen Horowitz, you know, it's Ben and Mark and Laura and Felicia. Like that. So it's that's in the DNA of Andreessen Horowitz from the very beginning. And so Ben has always been extremely intentional in in regards to creating a network and creating a community that that was much mm-hmm. more than just what you know 99% of people at Silicon Valley at the time were thinking about and so to me that was it it didn't even feel like uh, a VC firm it felt like an extended family because I did not have any family in the West Coast and so when we met him I didn't even pitch you met picture him in maybe. the accelerator by the way yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 okay absolutely like we like I love Ben because he could cook collard greens and barbecue. <laughs> you know, like I, it wasn't even about the the technology piece. It was about it was about cultivating real relationships. You know, there you and go. I think that that's what the firm. You know, the fact that they were doing that in 2012, like, was just incredible. The fact that you know how they were creating networks and events and and bringing you know people like and, and introducing people like Ken Coleman to to the worlds and oh, and, Ken and, is a and gem. 
Incredible, yeah. incredible, right? And yeah. and that's and that's who Ben's mentor yeah. was. And just for those who don't know, like how Clarence Avon is like the godfather to uh to Hollywood, that's what Ken Coleman is for the the African American technology industry. And so I encourage everybody to please look up Ken Coleman. He's is is a legend and 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 just a great person as well too. And so absolutely, we're all standing on his shoulders when it comes to technology, technology investing, and raising the level of visibility. I think he and his wife Caritha, you know, have uh, you know as a couple done more for advancing folks of color in the tech space and raising the the visibility of the narrative mm-hmm. than you know anybody I can think of offhand. They're terrific, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so you know, and it, so it was really just understanding going into that network made me feel comfortable because I was like, wow, there are people of color in this world, and and from ever since I started being in the industry. I never thought that that was a problem. I talk to black people every single day, you know, like, and so I think it's really about understanding that, that space. And then because of that, we've made a number of incredible investments that are led by African Americans and seeing the impact that we've been able to have on the inside, uh, but also really allowing founders to also have authentic conversations and realize that like, we're not trying to do this because oh, we need to have our numbers together. We're doing this because it's great business and that we're going to win. And we're going to help find companies that other people might not look at. You know, we want to make sure that how can we create an ecosystem inside of Silicon Valley? And and that's why I'm super uh, upset about, you know, what's what's happening in this pandemic is because, like, I really, like, this this year was going to be an incredible year, not only for the Cultural Leadership Fund, but just also Andreessen Horowitz and how we were thinking about bringing all of the the work that we've done since I've been there for the past seven years, but you know, even from Ben and and Andreessen and getting everybody into the mix, like in cultivating an ecosystem where we're not investing in people and bringing people together just because they're black, we're bringing people together because that they're the best, and and seeing people beyond just a a race but seeing people for who they are and how they can contribute and how we can find their genius and connect them into the companies for new job opportunities, or at the same time, help understand who that next generation entrepreneur is going to be. And so it's, it's something I'm extremely passionate about. And I know that, you know, at the end of the day, the venture capital is not, it, it might be a financial business, but to me, I think it's a service business. And I think that you have to always have that top of no mind. No question. No question. So you guys have made 65 investments or so in the Cultural Leadership Fund. What's next? Well, we got to keep going. I think one of the things that we really are thinking about is what else can we do in terms of creating meaningful partnerships, uh, getting more diverse backgrounds into our jobs. We just brought on two partners within the Cultural Leadership from Jessica Patton and Megan Holson Alexander. They are not only Stanford grads, but also uh, graduated from HBCUs as well, too. And so to me, I think it's super interesting how we can help really see talent from not just the traditional school systems, but how can we help find uh, what we call like mid-level talent and people that somebody that might be working at Verizon in the marketing department and doing great work there. And then now you can still take those same skill sets and now apply them into a marketing company at 
at one of the early stage startups. This is the entire mission of the CLF is to help enable more African-Americans into the industry and provide more information. We're just getting started. I think, you know, as we're continuing to build out the Cultural Leadership Fund and also our team, we're seeing this, how can we really take the initiatives that we have and really build an entire platform around really cultivating an extremely strong network, access to information, and really continuing to help create more generational wealth through the technology industry. And we just launched a brand new newsletter that we're super excited about where we're providing insights and, you know, we got to get you on there too. So I was about to say, put us on that I distribution say, list. Carl, Come on you gotta drop, we need you to drop some gems, you know? Absolutely. Put, a, put, put me on the list and I'm certainly happy to add some pearls. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you already got some rocking right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, Chris, we always like to make sure that our listeners get a chance to know the man a little bit better. So I like to do some rapid-fire lightning round questions, as we like to call them, as oh, our tradition on Access and Opportunity. Oh, so you ready? Oh, I've been ready. Let's go. How do you like your eggs? Scrambled or sunny side up? Well, you know, I like them, I like them scrambled. I like, a, I like a nice scrambled eggs, but with a uh, little Himalayan sea salt and uh, sometimes, you know, sprinkle a little Italian or uh, oregano or, uh-oh, you uh-oh. know, I, 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 okay. I, I, garlic, everything. All right. I, garlic cloves, garlic makes the world go round, so. I hear that. <laughs> City or countryside? Whew. I think I think countryside, you know, at the end of the day, you got to I love the city, but I mean, I guess now we need space. You know, we got to be able to get that fresh air. I hear you. Winter or summer? Summertime. Always. Okay, Coffee or tea? Oh, I love a I love a nice Cuban coffee, to be honest with you. So, okay, Yeah. iPhone or Android? Is that a question? What's Android? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just messing with you. Tisk, tisk, tisk. In office or working from home? Working from anywhere. Okay. If you had a talk show, who would you want to be your first guest? Bishop T.D. Jakes. Okay, I'm with you on that one. Mm-hmm. one he's gotten me through the pandemic. Kind of right? let me tell you, watch it on YouTube. I, I need him to. I need. I give him the the super mic. Let him go. <laughs> I'm telling you, TD Jakes and and my uh, Peloton and my uh, treadmill. Yep. TD Jakes on the treadmill. You can't beat. That's it. it. Okay. That's it. One word to describe your legacy. Service. I mean, that's that's the word. Service. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, Chris, it has been an incredible conversation. I promise you I would keep us in within the time, but I could talk to you for another hour easily, my friend. Oh, well done, do well done. And thank you for the privilege. No, this is this is my pleasure. You've always been a huge supporter and a, and a great friend. And, you know, I, I know you got flowers behind you, but I want to keep giving you yours, you know, because what you're doing within the community is extremely special. This conversation, the team that you brought on, shout out to LaToya in the back, like and, and, and really kind of bringing all of Morgan Stanley's finest, you know, and, and doing it in a first-in-class way. And, and, and so I, I always continue to look up to what you're doing and, and hope that we can, you know, continue to mirror those effects and, and take over the world together. Well, thank you very much, sir. I look forward to it. Thank you all for joining us on this episode of Access and Opportunity. Be sure to stay tuned this season as we speak to more influencers in the sports, media, and entertainment fields who've committed to reframing the narrative for women and people of color. You won't want to miss it. What did you learn today from Chris Lyons? Send us your thoughts at carlapod at morganstanley.com. We would love to hear from you. 
Subscribe to Access and Opportunity on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks for coming along.